Hi guys, welcome to the Original Judo Podcast. I'm James Austin and I'm joined by my new partner in crime, Reese Calder. How are you doing, Reese? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Surviving through this quarantine, so that's the most important thing. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty much the same. Getting through, it's uh, starts to, starting to feel like things are moving back to normal now, I guess. Yeah, it's less less of a groundhog day now. Um, now that there's a... Uh, a little bit difference in our day-to-day lives and what we can do. I think there's a a, a little bit less of a, that repetitive. What what can I do today? Yeah, totally. Um, today we're having like a quick blast. We're gonna finish today doing a giveaway to celebrate getting to 50 episodes. So hopefully this will be a short podcast. Although knowing us, this is to turn into a fucking epic. Uh, discussion, but we're going to be chatting about Randori and um, how we do it, what it means to you, and like how you can improve your Randori. So I've been thinking about this in the week, and then I've put the idea to Reese. But when I was finishing competing as an athlete, Randori for me was very much. I'm going to throw the word Shi'i. <laughs> into the mix um and i'm dodgy on my japanese so i'm sure someone can correct me somewhere along the way no it's correct it's correct it's correct (laughs) cheers it by the time i was like settled in the club in the performance center it was all about survival it was all about making a statement or surviving yeah and a good session was determined by beating the other people on the map and then i was chatting to someone the other day and talking about developing players and it started me thinking about that's potentially like it's a really good motivating factor for players during randori but not always the best um way to develop a player who can throw or develop a player who can win maybe it's better for developing a player who can lose what do you reckon um no i I completely agree it's it almost puts a fear factor into your training, um, because, like you said, your if your session's determined by how, who you threw and how, like, if you beat them type thing, it all it can also be impacted on who threw you and how they beat you type thing. Um, for example, one of the one of the juniors that's coming through at the time, who you're meant to be, if it's in your head that I may be above them, I mean, if they catch you, it can, it can ruin a session completely. But no, I think um, I think you're completely right. With a is it is it the negative way of is that a negative way of thinking type thing when you're training like that? Um, I know that for me, as I got older and progressed a little bit more, my randori and my mentality and my randori started to change. Um, as a especially as a kid, my, like you said, it's all about survival. Um, for me, I was not the greatest judo player as a kid. Um, I didn't start getting any decent results till I was sort of junior last year, junior. But I was, I was always one of these people. I just got chucked out. I was like a, I was like a one of these training dolls. You see, um, <laughs> I was throwing dummy, dummy. I was a throwing dummy. That's it. I was. I was a I was a Nagagomi partner more than anything. I think that's why I got uh, quite good at my my uki skills. Um, but yeah, I was a Nagagomi dummy type thing, um, and it was from that at that age my mentality was I need to throw people. I need to just try and get my I need to survive and I need to try and throw them. Um, it wasn't 
about how I was getting better. It wasn't about trying to use the stuff that I've been working on. It was just about trying to throw people. So I think as I got older, that sort of changed um, as I climbed up the, the ladder a little bit in, in the centre as well. I think, I do think there was there was that attitude in the centre in that you, there were a lot of high quality players there. But I think what comes with that is is like ego and like attitude and, and not in a bad way. But if you, you could ruin a person's session by throwing them and you could change someone's session. Or if you got thrown, it would change your session. All of a sudden, you'd feel potentially under pressure, as you say, to maybe stamp your authority back on that match or like you have to prove yourself again. And certainly that was like a mark of a lot of my randories. I know when I was on against the, yeah, potentially the younger players, um, the ones I could control a little bit more, I had a little bit more time to think and try new things but certainly when I was on against guys who were my age like my my kind of peers at the time Mm. it became more life or death or if it started quite open it could quite easily turn life or death if uh, you did something badly and someone took advantage of it yeah no like I said for me when I first came into the programme, I was probably full-time into the programme. I was probably 17, 18. And again, I was I was nothing special. I was just an, a, a player who wanted to do judo. And my session at that time was, my, my, my mentality was, I'm going to fight the hardest people I can on the mat, and I'm going to try and give them the best fight I can. But my goal is to try and throw them. My goal is not to, like, it doesn't matter how many times I get thrown, my goal is to try and throw them, and that's all that matters. And it was people like yourself. So at the time, it was people like yourself, Ewan Burton, Matt Percy, even Christopher Shetton, Tasty. And it was always this, my coaches at the side going, get them, get them, try and just ruin their night by throwing them. And that was that was almost <laughs> a mentality that we were taught was, I was going yeah. to ruin your night by trying to throw you. Yeah. And it wasn't it like, even if I got thrown, I had to be up before you to prove a point. Yeah. So, even without the without the mind games of the randori and the judo, there was always mind games in that fight as well of being in front of the person, standing over the top of them. Doesn't matter how many times you throw, you just get on, get over the top of them. And the other way about, where if you were the better player, where you were throwing someone, be waiting for them, be standing over the top of them, and get your hands on them. Don't let them. Do you know what I mean it was one of those? It was one of those things that was kind of taught to us at the time. Um, but like I said, when I was 18, 19, 20, that was the players that were in the setup, and those were the players I was trying to catch. But at that time, it was try and ruin their session, try and get them angry and try and annoy them by <laughs> throwing them or frustrating them. And even at times, it was the same on training camps with players that were were better than me. For example, my, the easiest example I can think of is um, no van to end. Um, I chased him for four days for a practice. Eventually, he said yes. And when I went out, I was told, just pin his sleeve, win the fight. By doing that and fighting like a Japanese fighter, don't try and throw him. Just keep busy with your feet enough that it would be like a shido. And I was fighting it like a contest. I was just trying to get him shidoed to the point where he was getting frustrated and didn't want to fight me anymore. And that was that was how I was taught to fight at that time. 
So do you think, again, it's really similar to my experience, but do you think that kind of limited your development as an athlete or steered you in one direction as an athlete as opposed to maybe turned you into more of a, a pressure fighter or the kind of fighter who tries to survive and then have an impact as opposed to help you be more creative or I think I think one thing it did for me was it worked on my fight management a little bit better mm-hmm. so I understood how to grip and win through the gripping fight so I was able to play for example I was never the biggest thrower in in the world but I could win a fight on shidos a lot of the time if I couldn't throw the person I was going to I could shido them um, and I think that that sort of randori helped build that up. But at the same time, it did it did stop me from attacking big. It did stop me from p- putting in a like just putting in a risky attack and learning from that type thing. Um, and I think that the more if I had that in me, I'd probably thrown people more because I would have had the confidence to attack more. Yeah, I I think so. Yeah, my own career. It, pretty similar pattern is you you become a confident gripper you become a confident pressure fighter without actually being that confident um putting in big attacks and again as a coach I feel I've had more time to try this stuff because I'm working with players who I've got a lot more experience than so practice has naturally become a play for me rather than a proving a point kind yeah. of think um you're coaching now obviously do you find that you encourage your players to do the same thing or you do you try and get them to open up i don't know what ages you coach so i coach a lot of my players so i coach a lot of kids and stuff all the way through but i coach like competitive kids um so 13 14 year old kids that are trying to fight and are going places to try and medal. Do you know what I mean? They're not. They're not just turning up to make up the numbers. And I think in my head, my because of that development. So now, as a judo player, and even when I sort of got to that top level at the at the centre. So when I was probably one of the top players at the centre, my idea was, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play judo. And it was something we discussed before this that that was when we got a lot. Of, I I wanted to play judo. I didn't want to fight anymore and I didn't want it to be a contest at that time because that was, it was Randori. It wasn't, it wasn't like you said, it wasn't Shiite. I wanted it to be that play. I wanted it to be fun and enjoyable. And some of my best fights were people that were much lighter than me. Like, for example, Pat uh, Dawson, one of my best practices on the map because he wanted to play judo. And mm-hmm. yeah, we used to get, it used to get a little bit heated at times because I maybe caught him a couple of times. But at the same time, he, it never changed how he fought. He fought very open and very relaxed, so the both of us could catch. And I think learning from being in Japan, it's not an easy fight in Japan. Everyone before I went to Japan, everyone talked about how relaxed and open they were, and it was so nice. And they were, but it's not like that. It's a grip fight. It's horrible to start with. But then when you get thrown, you get thrown bigger than you get thrown anywhere else probably, because you get thrown clean. But then when you catch them, you catch them clean as well. And when you watch them. Um, I can't remember. I think it was I was in Tokyo. We watched uh, Takato fighting um, Takaichi, and at the time, both were two of the top players in the world, and they're good friends. But they were throwing each other bigger than 
anyone in a dojo and getting up and just laughing and having a laugh and a joke. And all the guys at the side were laughing and joking about it. And it was like a game to them. It was like that enjoyable game that I feel that it's missing sometimes back here because people are so defensive and don't want to get caught and are worried about getting caught. That game and that um, enjoyment aspect is probably gone. So I think now as a coach, I try and coach and tell my players, fight sleeping the pelt. Don't just worry about trying to catch the head and drag people over. Try and fight sleeping the pelt and do proper judo and stand up and have fun. And I try and explain that if you don't get thrown, you're not doing randori right. I think that's the that's one of the biggest things for me is you have to get caught to learn as well. Definitely, I think I think we're definitely on the same page. I was going to say whose whose responsibility do you think it is to kind of set that tone? Because I, again, if you're like me, I can go in with the mindset of trying to play, uh, mm. have a have a play randori, but if the other person has got their mind set on ruining my night or turning the thing into a horrible grip fight and I know I've been as guilty of that as probably more than most um it it can change the complexion and you you end up getting dragged into that fight so who who is the responsibility on is it on the athletes or potentially changes maybe as they get older is it on the athletes to set that expectation is it on the coaches maybe to um phase the training because the pressure side of training the survival or statement making a statement um i think that has a, i do think that has a place as well but i think if you do that all the time you, you're probably limiting so whose responsibility is it to set that i think it's i think it's coaches and i think it's not just a high performance coaches i think it's all coaches that have to try and encourage that behavior because these kids are they know what they know, and that's what they take to that centre. And by the time they get to like the high-performance centres, it's probably a little bit too late for people at the top to change those sort of things. Um, it's it's what they're brought up on. So a lot of, I think a lot of the, the club coaches who have these competition kids, like you said, there is times where we need that pressure and that, um, that sort of mentality of, right, this is a fight. But I think you've got to encourage a lot of the time as well that, Right, let's do judo just for judo's sake and for the enjoyment and try and experiment, try and play with things and try and throw each other big. And I think the more that you can get people to fight like that, the better the athlete we're going to produce type thing in the future. If they can get both sides of the mentality and that physicality as well as, right, let's enjoy ourselves, then we can get the best players we possibly can. And for me, the best example is Neil McDonald. I don't know if you've seen Neil McDonald do randori anytime recently, right? But... I remember standing outside the mat with Gemma Gibbons at the time and she was going, Neil frustrates me because he gets thrown when he doesn't, like, when he shouldn't get thrown. But then when you watch him, he's actually so open and so relaxed and just so ready to attack at any time that he could throw just as big at any point. And he was, he was doing massive sinagis and, like, throwing people all over the place. And then this little kid, whoever he's practicing with at the time, catches him because he's just relaxed and if you go if yeah. he gets caught nice he'll just go over and he, he is he's one of the when I watch him he's a very exciting player to watch and even in Randori he has that mental edge and he has um, he has it when he needs to have it but a lot of the time he is just playing and having fun and I, I think that that's a good athlete for me no I agree I think that's probably the mark of a great judo player like I don't want to sound like I'm crapping all over like that 
traditional Randori turn up just for a scrap. I think that's great. I think it's really important for a lot of clubs where people are just turning up to fight their mates and have a pull and they want to come out top dog. Um, and I think as well, I've worked with players who have been brought up in a play Randori school and their judo has been brilliant and it's been really, really open, but then it hasn't created conversely the mentality where, oh, you need to switch on and try and make a statement, try and impose yourself on the fight. And they haven't been competition ready because of that. So I don't want to sound like I'm crapping all over that, but I do think it's important that probably there's, as a coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're identifying it for the players and possibly calling out players who are, Doing the wrong kind of training at the wrong time? At that moment in time, of course. And like you said, especially especially when you get to that higher level and you're at senior level, you do need that pressure. You do need that almost competition environment. And we, just before I was starting to finish at, um, or just before I got injured and stuff at Raffle, we were having specific nights that were competition nights. And that was, we were bringing it, they were bringing in referees, they were bringing in table sheets, they were bringing everything to make it as realistic to competition as possible and the the whole idea was let's replicate as much as we possibly can there was a weigh-in you got a percentage of your weight you had to turn up with doing team events they were doing non-team events they were doing all different things and they were using that to just get that get you mentally prepared and get you going through what do you do on this day what do you do on that day and it was made a little bit competitive by the fact that there was a little prize at the end that so, for example, yeah. the, there was one where there was all the players got a twenty quid Nantes voucher. Ah, fantastic! <laughs> Everyone. How what was it, what was the weight allowance for that one, Reese? At that point, it was I think it was actually two kilos or something. So I made that one all right. <laughs> but uh, after the Nandos, did you make it? Uh, no, nah, I, I didn't actually win the the competition, but <laughs> that's a problem. Um, but no, it was like you you know when especially at those levels those coaches should know right we need to there needs to be a bit of competitive stuff we need to do this so let's do the competition night and a lot of the time the athletes are like I can't be bothered with this but then that little incentive of right let's let's put let's put a little bit of a joke on it let's put Nando's voucher in everyone's alright right okay I'll fight now I'll have and it's just it just adds that little bit of um the mentality is there now. We now want to fight because there is a there is a positive outcome at the end, type thing. And pressure training as well, like you said. How many? I've turned up to sessions where I know I'm getting pressure training, and it's it's horrible, but you know that it's going to do you good in the future. And then you've got the mixture of that, the competitive training, and then a bit of play randori. I think that you can't you can't really go wrong with that sort of thing, that sort of mixture but it has to be in the right quantities type thing. I love that. And I, I love the, the different examples you give him. Um, let's call time on that. In celebration of reaching our 50th episodes about five or six weeks ago now, um, we are doing a competition giveaway. Uh, Mizuno UK have kindly donated a set of Uchikomi bands. Uh, that's the sleeve and lapel training bands uh, that... I mean, everybody's using in quarantine at the moment, really apt for, for doing some training at home. Um, they've replaced the tubing with a longer bungee cord to make them easier to set up. So if you want to check out 
what we're talking about. If you can see on the video, these are the, the bad boys nicely packed away. But go and check out on the website as well. It's judogies.co.uk and that's Mizuno UK uh, judo. Um, Reese is going to talk you through what the competition is and what we're looking for if you want to be in a chance to win the Uchikomi bands. So what we're looking for is for the, the best Epon um, possible. So it could be of your favourite fighter, it could be of someone um, from your club, for example, in competition, it could be yourself in competition, but what we're looking for is we're looking for a link sent to the the podcast so that we can um, we can judge amongst ourselves and with our special judge, who I'm sure will be announced soon. Um, so special that even I don't know yet. It's that, it's that <laughs> secretive. But um, we are looking for the best if possible. Send them in. Um, I think it's two weeks. Is that right, James? So the closing date to get your entries in is uh, Sunday the 21st of June. And the winner will be announced on the podcast the following week. I'm excited. Oh, me too. I want to see what people come up with. Um, yeah. What I would say is no, only entries from the UK, uh, none of that overseas delivery, I'm afraid, guys. So uh, if you're listening from overseas, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Only entries from the UK. Uh, again, looking for the best if one, you, your kids, your favorite fighters. Share a link. If there's no link and we can't find the fight you're talking about. It doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> it's not one that we've dreamt up. Um, thanks to Mizuno for supporting the little giveaway. Um, again, go check out their site. It's judogies.co.uk. Uh, like, subscribe to the podcast, share it, retweet it, tell other people about it. And um, yeah, enjoy yourselves. Catch you soon, guys. See you soon. <laughs>